0: Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 29, from the Common English Bible. A demon-possessed boy. When Jesus, Peter, James, and John approached the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and legal experts arguing with them. Suddenly, the whole crowd caught sight of Jesus. They ran to greet him, overcome with excitement. Jesus asked them, What are you arguing about? Someone in the crowd responded, Teacher, I brought my son to you since he has a spirit that doesn't allow him to speak. Wherever it overpowers him, it throws him into a fit. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and stiffens up. So I spoke to your disciples to see if they could throw it out, but they couldn't. Jesus answered them, You faithless generation! How long will I be with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a fit. He fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked his father, How long has this been going on? He said, Since he was a child, it has often thrown him into a fire or water trying to kill him. If you can do anything, help us, show us compassion. Jesus said to him, If you can do anything, all things are possible for the one who has faith. At that, the boy's father cried out, I have faith, help my lack of faith. Noticing that the crowd had surged together, Jesus spoke harshly to the unclean spirit, Mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. After screaming and shaking, the boy horribly, the spirit came out. The boy seemed to be dead. In fact, several people said he had died. But Jesus took his hand, lifted him up, and he arose. After Jesus went into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we throw this spirit out? Jesus answered, throwing this kind of spirit out requires prayer.
1: A man approaches Jesus looking for help for his troubled son. His son is unable to speak and frequently has sudden seizures that throw him to the ground. He's been burned falling into the cooking fire and nearly drowned rolling into the lake. Just as the man begins speaking to Jesus, the boy falls to the ground and begins convulsing and foaming at the mouth. The desperate father cries out, Jesus, if you can do anything, help us. There are stories in the Gospels about heroes of faith. There's the soldier who comes to Jesus seeking help for his servant. He says to Jesus, Just say the word and I know he will be healed. There's the hemorrhaging woman who thinks to herself, all I have to do is just touch Jesus' robe and I will get better. These people are commended in the Gospels for great faith. They're easy to admire. But this guy, he's easy to relate to. If you can do anything, Jesus, help us. This is a guy who has his doubts. And I suspect he would argue he has good reason for them. These seizures have been happening since his boy was little. No doubt he's taken his son to see countless doctors and religious healers over the years. But nothing has gotten better. Hearing Jesus' reputation, he brought his son to Jesus' disciples, his apprentices, for help. But they also failed to make any difference. Even if you start out with faith, faith can wear thin after a while. Doubt isn't something that religious people tend to talk about often. But most people have some kind of experience with it. I mean, maybe just on a few of the darkest nights of your life, or maybe as a constant voice whispering in the back of your head. Doubts can come in many different shapes and sizes. They might be doubts about the existence of God or the deity of Jesus. Or they might be doubts that have more to do with God's character. Is God really listening? does God actually love me? Is God really involved in our world? Our prayers, like this man in Mark 9, are peppered with all sorts of spoken and unspoken ifs. God, if you're really up there, Lord, if you're willing, Jesus, if you can help. When we talk about faith, it seems important to have a bit of a conversation about what we should make of all these ifs and doubts. Well, the first thing that I would say about doubt may come as a surprise to some of you. I don't think doubt entirely deserves its negative reputation. Not all doubts are equal. Honestly, I know a number of people, and I'm sure you do too, who would be much better humans with a bit of healthy doubt to humble them. Some of the most destructive people all of us know are the ones who are most certain that they have a lock on truth. Both the church and the nation are suffering right now from clashes of competing certainties. Certainties that in many cases seem to wildly overreach the evidence they're based on. In proper doses, there's a kind of doubt that is the natural companion of wisdom. To doubt in this healthy way is not to lack real convictions that you're ordering your life around. It's simply to remain aware that none of us have seen or experienced it all. It's to understand that all knowledge is based on an element of faith, and that certainty isn't even a real human possibility. A bit of healthy doubt of ourselves and of our conclusions keeps us open to new evidence and willing to learn, especially from other people whose experience has been different from ours. But where doubt does become a negative and destructive force for many people is when it becomes paralyzing. I've talked to a number of young adults through the years who've said to me some version of this. I can't be sure what's true, and neither can anyone else, so it's probably best to believe nothing at all. Uh, while this approach might seem sensible in theory, it has a couple of major problems. Uh, to begin with, it is functionally impossible to live this way. Most people who try to avoid belief end up falling into it accidentally and unconsciously. They reject one explicit belief, for example, the religion of their parents, and end up unwittingly falling into another kind of story about the world that's being promulgated by modern marketing or cultural movements. These stories are difficult to question or to weigh because they're faith-based elements aren't recognized or acknowledged at all. On the other end of the spectrum, a few people I've met who've managed to consistently cling to the posture of believing nothing have almost invariably ended up in dark holes of depression and despair. It turns out it's incredibly difficult to make even simple life decisions in the absence of any provisional sense of meaning or purpose or coherence. But here's the other thing no one mentions about faith. Often the persuasive evidence that you're seeking only follows from action or risk. Imagine that you're standing at the edge of a towering cliff You look over the edge and you can see spread out below you this thin line of a a river that's running through a valley thousands of yards below. Now on the opposite side of this chasm, you see people who are waving at you and shouting your name. They call out to you that right in front of you is a clear glass bridge that will carry you to the other side. Your vision isn't good enough to make the bridge out, but they promise you it is there, and it's more than strong enough to see you safely across the valley. Well, what do you do? You can listen to the stories of others who tell you the bridge is there and that they've walked safely on it. You might toss out a few trial rocks in front of you and see how they land. But at the end of the day, there's only one way to really know if the bridge is strong and trustworthy enough to carry you all the way across. You have to take a step forward. You have to risk putting some actual weight on it. I think this is very much what faith in Jesus is actually like. You can and you should test the available evidence but you could spend your whole life on the edge of this cliff and never really know. Because the reality is, the stepping, the risking, the trusting comes first. And the confident knowing, that comes after. I have far more confidence today than I did 20 years ago that this bridge is strong and good. But that's because I've staked my life on it put my whole weight on it, and seen it hold. There's no way to know with confidence if any story about the world is true until you risk walking on its path for a while. What I love about the story of the man in Mark 9 is that he clearly has his doubts, but he does exactly the right thing with those doubts. He carries them toward Jesus, he doesn't let his doubts keep him at a distance. He comes up to Jesus and he owns his current position plainly Jesus, I kind of believe you, or at least I want to, but also I, I kind of don't. And then he says, Help me. Help that part of me that's scared and still pretty skeptical. And here's the amazing part of the story that's enough. That is enough for Jesus. It turns out that Jesus doesn't only act on behalf of the great heroes of faith. Jesus doesn't require certainty. He doesn't require doubtlessness. He takes this man as he is, scared and uncertain, but desperate enough to take a step out onto the bridge. In Matthew's version of this same story, After the man's son is healed, Jesus' disciples come to him and they ask Jesus why they couldn't pull off the healing. And Jesus says to them, because you have little faith, I assure you, if you have faith, even the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, go from here to there and it will go. This statement from Jesus clearly raises a big question exactly how much faith, how much trust is actually required to see what Jesus can do. Now, Jesus makes it very clear in his interaction with this father that the standard is not doubtlessness. But some faith is required, at least a mustard seed side amount. So how much exactly is that? Well, Best I can tell from this story, a mustard seed amount of faith is about as much faith as it takes for you to take your doubts toward Jesus. The funny thing about faith is it has this compounding quality to it. You might only have just a little faith, just enough to pray an if kind of prayer. If you can do anything, Jesus, help You might only have enough faith to take your problems to Jesus with a mix of trust and skepticism. But because Jesus is compassionate and desires to be trusted, sometimes that little seed is all that's required. And when, like this doubting man, you see that tiny seed of faith and hope drive you toward Jesus, and something changes... The tiny seed of faith begins to grow into something larger and more confident. You take more things to Jesus and you see him act again, and faith begins to build, to compound on itself. I heard theologian Greg Boyd say recently that biblical faith is measured not by your level of certainty, but by your level of commitment. In other words, reaping the dividends of faith does not require you to be sure. The sooner you let that one go, the better. Certainty is out of reach. It is, isn't even really helpful to us. But commitment is willingness to go all in on a relationship. It's a choice to keep showing up, doubts and questions and all. It's a decision to pursue Jesus to obey him, to ask for his help, even when you are a complicated mix of unbelief and belief. The opposite of faith isn't doubt. The opposite of faith is fear. Doubts are safe in the presence of Jesus, but it's fear that keeps you from coming to him at all, from taking the risk to put your foot out on that bridge and gain new evidence of what he can do. Whether you believe or doubt today, do it in the presence of Jesus. That's enough. It's a big enough seed to get that process started. Let's pray together. Lord, we confess that we are, all of us probably, some version of the man in this story. The mix, the proportion of belief and unbelief that exists inside us changes day to day and even moment to moment. We trust you sometimes, or at least we want to trust you, but also we're not sure. Sometimes the stakes seem so high. Maybe some of us have been standing on the edge of the cliff for a long time looking at the people waving us, saying the bridge is there and wondering if we can believe them. Wondering if we can really believe that there is something strong enough and trustworthy enough to bear the weight of our lives. If that is us, we pray that you would give us the courage today to take one foot and take one first step out and put some weight on that bridge to take our doubts and our skepticism and our hope and our longing and those tiny seeds of faith that are in us and bring them all into the presence of you and say, Jesus, help us. We thank you that you can and have many times made great things from very small seeds. And we look to you and wait on you to demonstrate what you can make possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.